Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. All right, future daddy. You're going to have a baby in about probably 24 hours or so. Maybe 36. How do you feel? I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Well, last night I was having dreams and I started uh, I don't know, a little bit of anxiety and excitement roll into one. So I shared it with Anna today or this morning and she started laughing thinking, oh, I've been feeling this for months. <laughs> for, for me, <laughs> shit, the reality is, uh, is kicking in that our life is uh, going to change. So, yeah, it's all a little happening very fast. I haven't thought about it too much, I don't think, over the last few months. And so what's like, how are you? How are you? We tomorrow coming to the hospital, so, and labor can start now. So how are you handling all of this? Well, the plan of attack is I'm taking Anna to acupuncture right now, and she's catching an Uber back because I've got stuff to to do. So... (laughs) Like what? I'm killing. I need to get my whooping cough vaccine, or as Anna calls a whopping cough, <laughs> and uh, still a table to assemble the coffee table, which arrived this week. Uh, Set up the baby seat in the car. The baby seat in the car. Yeah, uh, all all the things. So see, me as a as a mother nesting. I've done all of my stuff beforehand, and you've got 24 hours to fix yours. That's how men operate. It's happening. It's on. Where's my to-do list? It's efficiency. Yeah. You leave it. It's like university. Yeah. It's like an exam, cramming an all-night exam. That's <laughs> what it is. It's happening. There's uh, The test is tomorrow. Get ready. Are you imagining a baby in your arms? Uh, no. I don't know what I'm imagining. Yeah, I think it, it'll be real when I when I see it. Right now, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's all, all fiction. It's all it's fiction. All fiction. Girl skill, female success redefined. All right, welcome, girlfriends, um, to my birth story. <laughs> really exciting and uh, kind of an emotional episode. I mean. You know, this is kind of, you know, when I was writing this, by the way, I wrote an article about this as well on Medium, if you're interested. Um, But basically, you know, this is a piece that is kind of foundational. You know, I I write a lot on Medium, I record personal episodes and all of that. But this is like the culmination of a a lot of things that I've written about. Um, If you haven't listened or if you're interested in, you know, how pregnancy is in the last trimester, for example, and how it was for me, I've recorded six episodes. It was actually an audio documentary that I did. Um, And I think I've, that has finished around week 37 or something. And so that kind of, this episode picks up from there in a way. Oh, goodness. So uh, it was really hard to write and it's a bit hard to record, but I think I've made my peace with it all and I'm very excited to share it with everyone. And if you are a mother, I highly encourage uh, you to write your birth story, Uh, not because your child might be interested in it as well at some point uh, or not, uh, but also I found it very healing to actually write it all down and uh, kind of put it in a story. And uh, yes, so let's begin. 
And by the way, at the time of this recording, my baby is uh, 12 weeks actually today when I'm recording. So this is almost three months past. <laughs> I think this was really a good time for me to kind of, you know, make peace with it all and everything. So you'll see. Enjoy the story. Everything is a blur. It feels like I'm in a limbo, not here, not there, not anywhere. It feels like I don't know who I am, like I'm not me. The realization that I've just given birth to a human child has not sunk in yet. My body is a wreck, my mind is a wreck, but somehow it feels like it has been a necessary giant leap. It feels like I was born to do this, and this experience is only going to make me stronger, mold me into the woman I'm supposed to become, a mother. But still... It feels like I've been to hell and back. It seems like I've been in one of those Marvel superhero movies and I've just survived a terrible, terrifying adventure. Of course, there are no villains here, only me, my body, and the child that's now outside of me. One moment she was inside of me, another moment she was on my chest. Crazy, I know. The passage of birth has been a magical and transformational journey, my own hero's journey into motherhood. I've won, triumphed survived. It feels like I've just, what I've just done is monumental. Like I never thought I could do anything like that. It doesn't compare to any scholarship I've won, revenue targets I've hit, or coaching clients I've enrolled. This is so much bigger. I never thought I could push myself to such limits and emerge on the other side, not quite myself, but a different version of me, a mother. The story of birth is as old as the world. Every woman who has given birth carries this story within her. There are so many of us. We're all connected through this specific story, and yet each passage is unique. Each child is different. But even though this experience is so private and special, all of us are in it together. My appreciation for womanhood and the female body has grown enormously. I now see clearer. I now breathe deeper. I now inhabit myself more. I now know what my body can do, what my mind can achieve. I now know better what I'm capable of. I now am a feminine warrior. I now know who I am, a mother. If you're reading this and you're in doubt of whether to have children or not, it's not my place to give you advice. It is your own decision. No one can make the decision for you. All I can tell you is that missing out on what nature has designed our bodies to do would have been a great regret for me. And that's why I did it, out of curiosity and a desire to create a family and gift a child to my man. I hear a woman screaming next door. It sounds like she's in labor. Flashbacks appear. I want it to end. I can't stand the contractions any longer. It's agonizing. Please, please make it stop. She's pushing. I hear a bunch of nurses running through the hospital hallway and hardly talking. The buzzing sound of the emergency button. Oh, no, no, not again. I can't push anymore. I don't know how. Please tell me how. I gotta, you got to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. If I ever get induced again, I'm going straight for the C-section. I don't care about the recovery process. Just not this, not again. Is it 3 a.m. yet? Is she hungry? Who is she? Why am I here? Why did I have to go through this? Who am I? A mother. Friday morning, December 14, 2018. I'm 38 weeks and three days pregnant. My belly's huge and I'm walking like a duck. We both know that in the next 24 hours, we're going to hold a human baby in our arms that's currently living in my belly. Both of us have no idea what it means and how it feels, but most importantly... 
what we're going to do with it all. We finished packing our hospital bag, the one that you're supposed to have all ready to go from week 32 of pregnancy, just in case the baby decides to arrive early, and we head for the door. Of course, I take with me all kinds of shit that we eventually won't really use, like extra pair of socks and bras and makeup. Really? Flowers, Christmas lights, iPad with a slideshow of the ocean, and sea creatures and surfers and flowers, and just a bunch of other stuff that we don't even need, because hashtag you never know. We get in the car and Estring starts driving. Both of us are quiet. Essentially, we're on our way to meet our baby, but it feels like we're driving to the edge of a, to the edge of a cliff of some mountain called childbirth. We have no idea what to expect and how this is all going to go. As we approach the hospital, I start being anxious and feel, feel tears filling up my eyes. I'm scared. I feel so alone. I don't want to do this. It feels like I'm deliberately going to some place that I know will hurt so bad. The worst part is that I have no idea how it's all going to go and who am I going to be on the other side. I can't believe so many women have gone through this and I'm not better prepared. Am I going to die? But there's no way back now and it's not like I can decide not to have this baby. This is it. This is the moment. And the moment requires me to go forward. The first step towards making choices that are against my own desires in the present moment. I sit in the car all clenched up. I text my sister saying that I'm scared. She messages me back telling me it's going to be okay and that she's with me. Estrine gives me a big hug. I take a deep breath, open the door and step out. At least we know that it's happening today because I'm scheduled for an induction which is an artificial bringing of labor, usually happens when there are complications. It is my biggest disappointment. My whole pregnancy was perfect, but between weeks 35 and 37, ultrasound scans, the doctor saw no steady growth uh, of the baby, so I got diagnosed with IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restriction, which basically means that the baby was quite small for her gestational age. And now the worst part was that the doctors couldn't actually tell whether it was really a growth restriction or the baby was just small. Uh, so they recommended I get ready for induction. And so because the ultrasound scan at 30 weeks also showed the same, you know, limited trajectory of growth and there was some liquid around the heart of the baby, induction was highly recommended. So we were booked in for this Friday. And the main reason behind actually this induction was to avoid still stillbirth, which is when the when the baby is born dead. So before I signed the papers agreeing to the induction, the doctor has warned us about the all the potential risk of giving a baby that appear to be um, that appears to be growth restricted. For example, in, increased um, heart rates and blood pressures and use of forceps during delivery. Uh, fetal distress during labor and eventually an emergency C-section, which was my worst nightmare. What I found fascinating, this very difficult situation of like deciding what to do and what is all going to happen is at first, uh, my birth experience was highly dependent on where I live and what that country and how that country approaches to birth. And so, for example, here in Australia, where I've given birth and where I currently live, um, Australia is one of those countries that is midwife-led and birth is looked at as a normal life event. And so they also operate on a preventative side. So like if there is a potential risk, they'll do everything they can to avoid it. Um, so in my case, you know, it was 
okay, there's a risk of stillbirth. We don't see any growth, so let's schedule an induction. While, for example, if I was in Russia, and I only got to know this talking to a girlfriend who's very connected with, um, you know, doctors there and, and midwives. Uh, if I was in Russia, they have more of an approach of, okay, well, yeah, there is risk, but we're going to wait. So they wouldn't schedule me for an induction. They would wait until... Dan real danger would appear and then it would all like be emergency and you know whatever but you know like <laughs> i decided after carefully considering and reading a lot i i decided obviously to follow the doctor's advice and go for an induction because you know like who wouldn't you never want to play russian roulette when it comes to the life of your child um you know that you've been caring and expecting for months and so the second thing that I found interesting is that I could directly influence the birth date, the hour, and even certain conditions of the birth of my baby. So, for example, you know, my baby was due on December 25th, yeah, Christmas Day, um, which was a Capricorn baby, but she was born 10 days earlier, which is a Sagittarius baby. And that just hit me, you know, because this induction could have been really scheduled like, um, you know, two weeks before, five days before, after, or whatever, you know. Um, and I know there is a degree of obviously you can't control everything, but I could have pushed for one more day or two or whatever. I could have calculated things. So basically this whole idea, like I think for the first time in my life, I realized like I kind of lost faith even more in like horoscopes, you know, astrology, natal charts and things like that. Um, <laughs> so... Anyways, yeah, I mean, the, the, there would have been multiple scenarios and I mean, we can discuss and talk about this, but I thought it was really, really interesting how, you know, like, for example, even you could schedule a C-section to go in, let's say th at weeks 39 or, you know, 38, like, oh, I want my baby to be a Capricorn. So let's schedule the cesarean section, you know, and then, of course, it depends on how you feel, and whatever. Anyways, um, in the last weeks before induction, I've attended three acupuncture sessions to try and bring on natural labor. My husband thought it was all bullshit, but just before going into in, in on that Friday, I was already two, three centimeter dilated, um, which basically means my cervix was open and ready to go. Um, and the midwives also performed like a stretch and sweep uh, process to bring on labor, which is basically they insert two fingers into your vagina and they kind of roll it around your... Um, uterus or cervix to bring on labor. Sometimes it does, some, it didn't for me, but it did help, I think, dilation as well. And what they told me is that I'm very favorable and then they can heal, they can they could feel the baby being, the baby's head being very low, which meant that the baby was getting ready to actually come out. And my calm birth uh, course facilitator, Tracy Anderson, who's actually going to be on this podcast, um, told me to not be afraid to take pain relief and medication during induction because induction is an artificial process and it can hit you hard and fast and, and you don't know how your body will react, which actually happened with me. And by the way, I highly recommend Calm Birth Course or a variation of it wherever you are in the world because it helped me so much. Um, I also did some hypnobirthing and Ina May, May's Guide to Childbirth was an amazing book for me to read. So I highly recommend for anyone who's getting ready to give birth. So medication was something I didn't want to have at all because I knew that once you start with medication, it all kind of goes downhill from there. And I really felt it. Uh, you need more and more until that baby's out. And basically the risk of C-section is also increased once you start taking medication. Sterilized water, laughing gas, 
morphine and epidural. These were my pain relief options at the hospital. And of course, I've set on course to avoid any medications whatsoever and have a natural birth. I've put it down in my preferences and I thought I could do it. I thought I could push through it. And I kind of did, but just with a little help from gas and morphine. Induction did hit me hard and fast after the midwife broke my waters uh, by attaching a tiny little heart rate monitor to baby's head. So inside my vagina, basically, we waited for two hours for labor to start. And um, it kind of did start me feeling like something's happening, but no contractions. And so what did start the labor was the artificial oxytocin flowing directly into my right hand vein through a drip. The usual dose is about one millimeter every 30 minutes. Um, so for about two hours, it was great. You know, I was dancing. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> On Instagram, I'm going to post a video like my husband, he, he, he showed a video of me. And, you know, I was starting to feel these intense waves of sensations pulling down in my belly, just like I've been told every five or ten minutes, but they were not quite, um, you know, intense. And they were quite manageable, actually, and maybe even pleasant. And I was walking around, whatever, you know, this was all great. And the plan was actually to find that specific level of artificial oxytocin continuously flowing in my blood, specifically for my body, that would take me into active labor, first stage, how they call it, strong and steady contractions every three, four minutes that would last up to 1.5 minutes each. So basically, in a 10-minute period, you're supposed to have uh, three to four contractions, right? Like strong and steady. And... Another thing was that I was diagnosed, I, I tested pos positive with GBS, which is group B streptococcus. I don't even know what it is, but basically it's like a bacteria or infection. Um, no, a bacteria that's in, you know, in the anus and the vagina. And so the labor had to be quick because I had refused to take antibiotics um, before, before birth. Um, so it's kind of a tricky situation. But anyways, so around 2 p.m., so we got to the hospital around 7.30. And by the way, you know, everything, oxytocin, whatever. So at 2 p.m., the greatest show of my life, life began. Curtains were pulled up. Oxytocin had, had done its job. I finally entered active labor, strong and steady contractions. Uh, I think by, it was about, I stayed, it started about 8 milliliters of like oxytocin or something like that because I could see the numbers. And so my, at that point, my birth preferences and the whole plan of, you know, moving around, trying different positions, riding the waves, whatever, were quickly thrown out of the window because the pain and the pulling was extremely intense. I couldn't breathe or walk or sit through it. It was really something I've never experienced before. And I'm not even sure how to describe it. It kind of felt like bones and my pelvis was coming apart and squeezing and pulling. I mean, it's really hard to describe. Like I've asked women about it and... Each one of them is like, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> Anyways, every time I felt the contraction, um, every time a contraction started, I would make a deep grunting noise. Noise and string would immediately start pushing really hard on my ankles. Some of the acupressure, acupressure points that the acupuncture showed him. And it really did help for a while. Um, and it's interesting that when you're in pain, in extreme pain, there's that specific moment where you think you can't do it anymore, but you actually can. And the blurry line is infinitely expendable. And it's all in your mind. It's just, <laughs> it's just a matter of how you manage it, 
well, my mind gave up or I gave up on it. It was just too much. So as soon as I pulled the gas mask on my face, I started taking deep breaths in and out and I was chained to the bed. I felt like the gas helped me ease the intense sensations, but only for a while. I can't do it. Yes, you can. No, 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 I can't. Yes, you can. That's what the midwife was telling me and String was telling me. And I'm like, you're not helping. Like, you don't understand. You've, you just don't understand. And so, you know, it, it actually felt like I can't do it, but I didn't have a choice. I had to move along with it all. I mean, there was no way backward. Got to push through, literally. And again, I'm at the blurry line. I can't, I can or I can't do it. I wanted whatever would help me to not feel this. I wanted a way out. It was a mental and physical prison I needed to get out of and I didn't know how. It was like being in one of those crazy labyrinths with, uh, with a no way out. It was a bloody, I was the bloody maze runner in my own childbirth. I kept taking long breaths. I told String I'm ready for whatever else there is there to help me through this, but I didn't panic. And so heart rates, uh, both babies and mines were quite normal. Blood pressure was normal. E everything was actually quite normal and good for a woman in labor. It was just my uterus was squeezing the baby out. You know, I mean, it was a normal process, but it was just super intense. Um, and this is where I think the calm birth and the hypnobirth and everything I read has helped me not panic because you literally can panic when you know, like, there's no way out, you know, and it's all in your mind and you just got to breathe through it. You just got to have to go through it, you know, because you'll know like eventually this will end. You just don't know if it's going to be a few hours or a few days, like who the hell knows. So my uterus was moving too fast for me and uh, we have welcomed Mr. Morphine. I have welcomed Mr. Morphine. I've never met this guy, so I had no idea how it would be like. I knew that it would pretty much relax me and possibly make me high. And so they did a quick check and um, I was already five centimeters dilated, so halfway through. And as I was lying on the bed in complete agony and it felt like a lifetime until they finally administered the injection in my left butt cheek. I remember a, a nurse or probably an a anesthesiologist or whatever came and asked me my name and my birth a date and whatever, just to make sure, you know, I was lucid and whatever. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, just do it. Like, I can't do it. And oh my God. And so, um, you know, they did an injection and uh, it has kicked in fairly quick and I felt relief, a bit of relaxation, but it wasn't over yet. And I was high. I was so high that I would literally pass out for a minute or two between contractions, only to wake up again to that agonizing, intense pulling starting to build up. It was indeed like surfing a giant wave that you can't really jump off because it would literally kill you. So you can't go back and there's no rewind button. And I had, you know, I had to ride the wave and there was no way out, only forward. Like for me, this was, this was the worst because <laughs> you can't stop it. You can't go back. You just got to go through it. You know, it's crazy. And so I bet surfers are experts at childbirth. Ha <laughs> ha. So I kept telling myself one contraction at a time, one contraction at a time, just this one, breathe, breathe. It will end soon. This too shall pass. But, but it wasn't passing, you know, it felt like it would never end. It actually felt like I was stuck here forever, lying in bed, waking up to these intense sensations and pains every two minutes. Some crazy shit. Like, I thought this is it. I will stay here forever. I, I, I couldn't look at the clock. I didn't know where I was. I, and why was this happening to me? It felt like torture. It felt like misery. And I wanted a way out. 
and I was done. And I've actually spent like maybe about three to four hours in the state. And I'm sharing this not to, you know, because they say, oh, you know, share only positive stories. And, 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 and I agree with you. Like, I think you should just listen and, and read positive stories, like positive childbirth stories. In, resp- in retrospect, I think that my childbirth story is, is, is a positive story, but it is really intense and it is really, really hard and really difficult. And, and my story is unique. And so I share how it was because it was terrible. <laughs> At that specific moment, it was terrible, but it only lasted a few hours. That, that that's the good news. And so at some point I started feeling uh, the pulling, not only in the front of my pelvis, but also in the back. And there was a whole other level of sensations, like everything had intensified and I knew something else was happening. So I told String that I'm ready for whatever else is next. And I didn't care. I was ready for a cesarean section or whatever other section there is, but I wanted this baby out and I wanted this to end now. I was done. And I know so many women like I've heard so many women saying this, like, get this baby out, like this is it. And again, that's that that's that line that you gotta work with your mind whether you can push through this more or not. And it's crazy because in that moment, in that specific moment, you like you just want it to end. You don't care. And I think my other recommendation is that a doula or an experienced woman who is beside you, who knows you, who can hold your hand. Like if there was a doula with me, which I was considering, but I didn't get her. Simply because, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, me and String can do it. We're so prepared. I've read a lot, blah, blah, whatever, you know. But now I know next time, although next time, you know, second birth is easier. But anyways... I felt like I needed that motherly touch and I needed an experienced woman who had given birth before, perhaps to a couple of children, who has seen women in labor, who would take my head and says, Anna, you can do it. Trust me. Just go through it. You know, I'll be here with you. We'll do this together. I didn't hear this. And so if you're preparing for birth, maybe you can imagine my voice holding your hand or whatever. But yeah, there's that line, you know, <laughs> like how much can you experience and how much can you stand? So, of course, it depends woman to woman, like what is your pain threshold and all of that. So, I was done. Epidural, the magical drug that makes it all better, but could make everything actually worse. And so, well, I was in great luck because that back pushing I felt in my, you know, in the back of my pelvis actually was the baby's head. You're full, you're fully dilated. I can see the baby's head. Time to push. She told me all excited, the midwife. Oh God, here we go. The magic words every woman in labor wants to hear. So as soon as I heard that, I immediately sobered up like um, morphine was immediately gone. I was in transition. So I turned around, looked her straight in the eyes and told her to tell me what to do because I have no idea how to push. It, I didn't feel the urge to push, like I didn't know how. And I could, I, I, I know that women have said, oh yeah, pushing was easy or whatever, you know, like I didn't feel. I imagine like the urge to push would have been like when you want to go poo to the toilet, like you need to push something out of you. Like I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. It was just stuck. And so she guided me into a couple of sitting positions on the bed and asked me to push as hard as I can at the end of every contractions, like I would do a poo. 
And I was like, what? This is crazy. A second midwife appeared and started taking notes. And so both of these women were doing something they do for work every day. And, you know, it was crazy. Like, I remember I was on my knees. I was all sweating. Like, string was somewhere. By the way, he was just like at my head. He didn't see anything. Good good decision. I also recommend that your man, <laughs> your man is by your head and he's, he's not witnessing because he can't unsee whatever is, is going on. Um, so I turned around at these two women. One of them was like holding a hot compress on my butt. The other one, and you know, looking at everything and guiding me. The other one was like taking notes, witnessing this, you know. And I turned around and I said, this is crazy. You like, you like do this for work. This is fucking insane. Anyways, so it, you know, I was definitely in transition because I remember I was just like, ugh. Um, and it felt like I had to pull a watermelon literally like out of my ass. And it was merely impossible. The baby's head was moving along but what, by what felt like 0.001 millimeters. And uh, it was just crazy. So I didn't care about anyone and anything. I was on a mission. This is what transition is generally described as like a, a stage of labor. I was on a mission to get the baby out and I was unstoppable. I was screaming my lungs out and nothing else matters. Um, later on, I thought about, you know, in calm birth and everything I've read, like Ina May was saying, you know, soft jaw, soft lips. <laughs> just, you forget everything and you just like want this to end. Um, time had stopped. I was an animal, literally. Everything in my core was concentrating on pushing this baby out. So I changed positions again, lying on the bed with my knees high up. And I tried pushing the watermelon again, but it wasn't going anywhere. I was stuck. The midwife asked if I want to feel the baby's head. So I put my two fingers in between my legs and felt something hard and slippery where my vagina used to be. The watermelon was the baby's head. Some crazy shit. And I pushed some more, but nothing was moving. And so at that point, I realized that I could be lying here just forever and pushing. And I've heard women just, you know, pushing for whatever. It felt like constipation 2.0. I didn't want it to. I didn't want to be constipated with a watermelon forever. I was so over this. And I decided that this was it. And so this was actually a really powerful moment for me to realize later on after, you know, talking and doing birth debriefs and thinking about this, um, at that point, I realized that I had kind of two options. You know, I could let my body like relax, change positions, you know, maybe go into the water, maybe whatever, you know, and then and then I would have pushed for hours, for example, until the baby's head finally came out. But I just, I took the decision to just bloody end this. Like I was at a finish line, you know, they say birth is like a marathon, so... I don't know. I was just at the, at the line and I said, I didn't care. I just wanted this over. And I took the decision and I decided that this is it. So I pulled my right leg up and used the leg rest to push myself into it. And with the next contraction, I decided to give it all. And I pushed so hard and I kept pushing and felt lots and lots of burning. And with this push, the baby's head was born. And during that time, and that's what the burning was about, and I was screaming my legs out because I tore um, in the front and in the back. And then the midwife told me to push hard one more time, and this is where the baby's body was born, and she was placed on my chest. And so as soon as the midwife placed this creature on my chest, also known as the watermelon, just came out of me, a crowd of nurses and doctors flew in and started... Um, 
doing things around me that, and it all felt a bit panicky. You know, I saw a lot of blood down below in retro. I mean, after that, I, I found out that I lost 800 milliliters of blood and I felt an injection in my right thigh and I was told to give a little push again. And this is where I was, I had birthed the placenta. They lifted the placenta and showed me a big sack of blood and liquid. It was weird and disgusting. And so, yeah, this is where I found out that, you know, I, I, I tore front and back and, and they started stitching me up. But honestly, I didn't care. All I was focused on was this little moving creature on my chest. Oh, my goodness. Just remembering this is like, it's <laughs> crazy. So this little creature who was our child it was, it was covered in blood and a lot of vernix, that white gooey stuff. That's what babies when they come out. Um, she was all curled up, wrinkly and weird looking. And she was looking at me and string. She had recognized us and she knew us. And all I kept saying was like, it's a baby, it's a baby. You know, I was crying. I looked at String. He was crying and laughing. And it was just so surreal. You know, I imagined this moment so many times during the whole nine months. Like, it was crazy. Was it all a dream? I, I didn't know. And so, in conclusion, after five hours of active labor, so from, you know, she was born at 8, 13 p.m. So, basically from 2 p.m. when I was in that active labor of contractions, it was basically five hours, which is pretty quick labor. And I was pushing for only one hour, you know, which felt like very short to me. <laughs> anyway, so she was born at 247 um, kilograms, so really, really small and measuring 46 centimeters. And so after all the stitching was done, they left us to enjoy um, time with the baby. And I helped it latch to my breast and um, baby started sucking and it was so bizarre and surreal. And so another midwife came in after a few hours and, you know, asked dad to hold the baby, helped me into the shower. And um, it was it was amazing. Like, I felt like a wreck, but that shower, I think, was the best shower of my life. I felt a sense of relief and quiet excitement. And I felt really overwhelmed. Like, it was all fuzzy and, oh, God, it's crazy. And so she weighed and measured the baby and recommended that Zoe, which is the name of our little girl, uh, goes to the ICU intensive care unit for the first day or two just to make sure everything's okay because she was a small baby and because, you know, there was some liquid um, in the heart. So after we cleaned up everything and, you know, packed our bags and whatever, I had a catheter, which means like I would, I, I wouldn't go pee because of the stitching and everything, but it was like a bag of wee. Like I was literally carrying a bag of wee and they put me in a wheelchair and... <laughs> It's all freaking crazy. And so we headed up to the intensive care unit. We left Zoe there and then we went to our hospital room. It was 1.30 a.m. And uh, I couldn't really sleep the next two nights in the hospital. Like I was having flashbacks and pretty much nightmares. Like I was traumatized. Um, and every three hours we were waking up, I was getting, you know, my catheter full of wee basically and walking to the ICU to feed the baby. She was so tiny and fragile and beautiful. And you can see the pictures on my Instagram, of course, on my Facebook and on Medium. Um, and so I had a lot of milk. So I had a lot of colostrum and I was literally like expressing colostrum, which is the first um, milk that comes in. It's like liquid gold, they call it. And then it turns into actual milk. Um, I was hand expressing it at all the midwives that saw me express it. So I think I was doing like 10 milliliters in... I don't know, in like the couple of minutes or something. And they were like, 
if only women could see what you can do with your breasts, like they would die. They would just cry. And I was like, what are you talking about? And, you know, my breasts were always so tiny. And I don't know, maybe it's in the family, whatever. I don't know. But I was, I was blessed. And, and my problem with breastfeeding was mostly oversupply. So I had a lot of milk and I'm still leaking, you know, three months down the line. Like right now I can feel my my right breast like being engorged, which is really full of milk. So my baby's going to wake up in about an hour and a half and I can't wait because it hurts. <laughs> it's like, you're going to wake up, like help me help you, you know? Um, anyways. Oh, so hour by hour, it was all coming together. The whole experience was sinking in. Little Zoe was in great condition. And so we took her with us in the room on our third night. And I actually was really happy like that she wasn't with us for the two nights because we needed to rest and sleep, but I also was secretly kind of terrified. Like I, I didn't know what to do with her. You know, they say that, oh yeah, you're going to feel it and the mother instinct is going to kick in. And I'm like, yeah, nothing kicked in for me. Like, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Like, I didn't know what to do with her. Like, there's this tiny creature. What do I do with her? And you feel so alone because like, you know, I think for the first month, it was all so strange. Like, I, I thought that maybe it would end, you know, maybe like we're just borrowing this baby and kind of giving it back or something. I don't know. You don't really, I feel now it's very, very different because she is actually like, you know, three months down the line. So she's going to be 12 weeks. You know, she's laughing. She's reacting. She's smiling. Like, you can see her personality emerging, like... And I was, we we're falling in love every day more and more with her. Back then, like, what do you do with it? <laughs> oh, my God. It was just insane. Um, so, first night, she just started screaming her lungs out. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what do you do? You know, what do you do? So, we called the midwife. And the midwife came in, you know, this kind of plump, really confident lady. She picked her up, put her down, picked her up and said, yeah, this is wind. Wind is like, you know, when she has gas and she burped her. So you get to pat her on the back, burp her a couple of times, put her back. The baby was asleep until morning. And I was like, oh my God, magic. Can you take her <laughs> for even a couple of days more? And so we got discharged the next day after spending three hours basically in the hospital and after having a lot of checks. Oh my God, the, this is another subject, but we were very, very impressed with the medical system here in, in Canberra, especially in Australia where we are. It was just amazing, like literally and all for free. Like it was all covered, you know, government and so many people che checked us like lactation consultants and physiotherapists and a bunch of other people. Like there was a woman who came in to talk about my mental state and whatever, whatever. And so... You know, after all of this, we've packed it all up, put little Zoe in the car seat, and I have a picture. And look at her now, and it's just, I can't believe how tiny she was. Like, she was 2.5 kilos. Put her in the car, and so this was it. We headed home, and life with the baby began. Oh, you know, and I was really traumatized, as I said, and um, I actually said to String that I will never go through this again. It was insane. Like, no way. Um, and the first two weeks having the baby, it was madness. Like I was crying and I was recovering. I was barely walking. I had to learn how to breastfeed and not sleep and take care of the baby, all the hormonal shifts. Like it was just, just insane. Like, oh my God. And I always say, actually, it was, it was really interesting to me that 
a lot of women prepare for birth and obviously in a late, late trimester of pregnancy, whatever, but the time after birth is so huge and important. Like I was so lucky to have, you know, my mother-in-law who would basically cook for us pretty much. You know, we had food every day with frozen food as well. We took it to the hospital, by the way, and it was great. Um, so I didn't cook and I didn't do anything. It was just the baby was full on and mentally... I think those two weeks were just the craziest time ever. Like I, yeah, it was so, so hard. And I made sure before that I stocked up on really warm food. So there's a whole science actually. The first six weeks they say after birth is, you know, the most important time for you and for baby. And so, you know, I really made sure we had like really warm foods. Like I found this book with recipes about Ayurveda and everything. And it's really important how you eat and what you eat. So they recommend like really warm stews and everything has to be warm so that your body can recover. And my body recovered really fast. Like after a month, man, I was looking amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm still looking amazing. Like I started doing a bit of yoga and everything. I recovered super fast. So in a week I was already walking, you know, and everything. And and then I was like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't too bad. Maybe I didn't need a C-section because with cesarean, like it's crazy, you know? I never experienced it, but from what I hear, like you can't drive for a few weeks, you can't get up. Like imagine you have to pick the baby up, you have to constantly be sitting, like feeding the baby. What? Like it's just crazy. And so I recovered super fast. Like, you know, my belly went down and now three months later, I'm back to my normal pre-pregnancy weight. So pre-pregnancy, so during pregnancy, I gained like 11 kilos. um, And now I'm almost back, maybe like two kilos more than I was, but I'm in great shape. And it was awesome. Like, you know, because I had all these fears, oh my God, how my body's going to look like. Well, it looks even better now because my hips are a bit wider, my breasts are bigger, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah. I like this. I feel like a woman. <laughs> oh, goodness. So after a lot of massages, um, which I also highly recommend, um, I did a hospital debrief with the hospital manager where we went through all of the notes. Um, there were notes. There were, uh, the second midwife wrote, a very supportive husband's drink has helped Anna, blah, blah. And I also did the debriefing uh, with Tracy as well. And uh, I actually realized that it could have been a lot worse. Like they told me that for a first time mom, it was a quick labor and it was great. You know, I didn't get into distress. I birthed the baby naturally, which I wanted. Uh, I didn't even get to the epidural stage, which is which is actually amazing, you know, considering that I was an induction. Like every woman who hears that I had an induction was like, oh my God, you didn't have an epidural and oh my God, you actually birthed it naturally. So, so I'm proud of this experience, you know, no matter what it was, like it was it. Um, so after three months, I feel proud and powerful. I'm not yet ready for another childbirth, obviously, but I know I will have another one one day. And um, we now have a beautiful little girl who I'm falling in love every day and day by day and becoming that much more expensive version of me a mother. And we are now parents and this is a bit crazy and she's our daughter and she's part of us and we're part of her. She's so precious and I wouldn't have her any other way. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I would have liked to have her in an ecstatic birth, as I imagined. But, you know, the universe had something else in store for me. It is what it is. We are where we're at and this too shall pass. Yet again, these three powerful phrases that are tattooed on my right hand are 
you know, saving me and um, keeping me going forward. And so everything I've been in the last three months is absolutely worth it. Um, that's what that's what actually any mother would tell you. You know, I'm still kind of putting back together all the pieces of it. But, you know, whenever I think of her, whenever I look at her, it's, it's, un, it's undescribable, you know, this whole feeling of, there's a lot of challenges. It's the most challenging time. Um, but I just, I just, got, you know, my love grows for her and it's something that, it's something totally different and on another level. It's, I've been thinking a lot, maybe I'll do another episode because I've been thinking a lot about what this experience means you know, and, and it is bigger than, than anything, you know, they say, oh, I don't know how I'm going to fit my baby on top of my career and whatever. (laughs) And I mean, I, I was thinking that before as well, but now it's like, all of that doesn't matter. You know, the career, the lifestyle, oh my God, my freedom, like that's, I mean, that's important. Yeah. But I don't think it ever will compare to such a fundamentally almost animalistic primal experience of of being a parent and having a child you know it's <sighs> it's indescribable you know you could change jobs you can change lifestyle you can change change them in partners whatever but this experience is simply incredible I mean, I, I don't even know. There's nothing else to say. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the biggest joy and it's also the biggest hardship. It is it is tons and tons of lessons. It's tons and tons of mirrors of rediscovering yourself, expanding, testing your limits. It's basically like a personal growth journey. Only what you get is is a child that's teaching you a lot and that you're learning together and an enormous amount of love that, I've never experienced, you know, it's totally different. (laughs) And so uh, I'm going to end with this. If you ever have given birth, I stand tall with you. If we could do this, we could do anything. And cheers to all our newly found reservoirs of power, depth and love. And if you haven't given birth, if you're preparing for birth, um, I just want to tell you that you're going to go through this. And it's going to be okay. No matter what your birth story is, no matter how it happens at the end, that's what they say, you have a child and everything. But I would highly advise that you also process this and have debriefs and talk about it because I talk about it a lot Um, because it could traumatize you and and be with you and you just need to go through this. Um, Actually, a service like, you know, going through your birth story, that could be a coaching service as well. Uh, anyways, and if you're still, as I mentioned before, if you're still thinking about having children or not, I know today it's 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 a hard time for women, you know, for us to make that decision because obviously of all the pros and cons, but, and this is a decision that only you can take, right? Um, and I know a lot of women say that they never regretted not having children, but I think, you know, there are women who just know. So if you know, you know. But if you're in doubt, for me, I always told myself and I knew that I'm in a female body and only being in a, and only a female body can actually produce children and give birth. And I just told myself that 
I can't go through life in a female body and not experience this. Like, how can I, how can I not experience this and give myself this gift and also give the men that I love the gift and create a family? And so that's why I did it. And it's just amazing, no matter how challenging it is. It is challenging, but like anything in life uh, that's worth it is challenging. And so if, if you're on the fence, think obviously it's, it's your decision as we mentioned before, but just know that you're going to survive, you're going to grow, you're going to learn, and ultimately you're going to go through an experience that's so basic and fundamental to humans and to, I mean, to any species, right? So, all right, I'm going to end with this. Thank you for listening. It was like, again, therapy. <laughs> And uh, yeah, if you like this episode, message me. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Wanderova, but you can search for Girl Skill and that's going to lead you to my account. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, you can email me. So I would love, love, love to hear uh, your thoughts and opinions. And, you know, if you have a girlfriend who's currently pregnant, let's say, um, or, you know, is, is getting ready or is scared about birth or whatever you can. I mean, if you, if you think that it's going to help her, share it with her, you know, uh, right from your podcasting app or um, girlskill.com slash birth. Um, you can send her that link. And um, this is where this article is also going to be. And uh, if you really like this, I'd love for you to charge your karmic energy and actually leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I know it's it's time consuming and everything, but go to iTunes in the podcast section, search for Girl Skill, click on ratings and reviews. Please, please leave a rating and a review. I'd really, really um, appreciate it. All right, uh, girls, uh, have an awesome week riding with the wolves. And I can't wait to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you next week with another awesome episode of Girl Skill. Right, bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.